Welcome to the Fax Machine. My name is Dominique Jellin, and I am your host. This is a podcast where I get to have people nerd out about things that probably aren't common knowledge and see why those things matter. Spoiler alert, they don't. So, for the next half hour or so, sit back, relax. We're about to celebrate some marginally useful information. Hey there, cool kids. Before we get into this week's episode, I did want to give you the heads up that Baruch and I are going to be talking about sexploits of uh, French poets from back in the day. So if you don't want anything explicit, this won't be the episode for you. Uh, But otherwise, I think we're going to have a great time. Stay tuned. (laughs) I am so excited about today's guest. Uh, I have with me a uh, comedian, writer, poet, playwright, uh, Baruch Porras Hernandez. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, for those who don't know, Baruch is the newest resident, uh, at the ground floor summer residency program for the Berkeley rep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Berkeley rep. There we go. And you're going to be doing... Playing with the big boys. No. And you could catch his show, Love in the Time of Piñatas. Um, which I saw and it was so much fun and it was so great. Oh, right. You came to see the, the workshop version we did at Brava Theater. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming. That was, oh, that was, it was really fun. Um, it was so great to watch. So if you guys get the chance to see it, definitely see it. We won't be talking about that today, however. No, we will not. We So Baruch and I recently drove down to San Jose. And by Baruch and I mean I rode in the back while Baruch drove. <laughs> and I drove. <laughs> <laughs> we were the few other folks. And the conversation ended up uh, through a bunch of twists and turns, we ended up mm-hmm. talking about French poets yeah. that we were both into. And it turns out we both love Paul Verlaine. Yes. And we were talking about how sad he was. Very sad. All the time. Very sad boy. So for, for those who don't know and who are furiously Googling right now, uh, Paul, P-A-U-L, Verlaine, V-E-R-L-A-N-E-A-I-N-E, sorry. Um, how did you come across his work? Well, uh, Paul-Marie Verlaine, <laughs> it's been years since I've spoken French. Um, when I, I grew up in the Bay Area, and when I got to middle school, it was like, do you want to take French or Spanish? And I'm originally from Mexico. I was born in Toluca, Mexico. And I was like, oh, I already speak Spanish. I'm going to take French. Why not be trilingual? And all of the Mexicans took Spanish. And I was like, you lazy bastard. Oh, dude, I so did that. All the Haitian kids took French. You did. You took French? I took French. Dom. We could be speaking Spanish to each other right now, but no. Yo sé solamente un poco. Un poquito. Oh, no. Well, uh, my French is terrible, and I'm not even going to... Because we were talking about how strict French people are about French and how, like irritated they get with other countries you know uh, but anyway that they colonized yeah that they colonized <laughs> Dicks. Um, and then i got to albany high and my fr- my freshman year french teacher was this brilliant woman i hope she's still around um she was just so classy and beautiful uh one of the uh, one of the only black teachers at albany high at the time and uh madame selvin just super classy super uh like uh, into fashion and style. Like every day I was like, what is she going to wear? And one time I, I wanted to ask, because sometimes it was amazing. And sometimes I was like, girl, no. She, I wanted to ask, did you take a rug, antique rug, cut a hole in it and put your head through it? Because that's what it looks like you're wearing, lady. But maybe I was just, you know, some punk that didn't know about fashion. Probably. Uh, but she not only was super strict, uh, but she super strict, 
incredibly intelligent and pushed us way too hard. And freshman year, she was like, we're going to study French poetry. And of course, everybody in class was like, no, poetry. Oh, God, French is hard enough. <laughs> and my little closeted emo and <laughs> suicidal <laughs> gay boy heart just oh. started to sing a chanson of love because I was like... <laughs> Poetry is gay enough, but French poetry, <gasps> mon dieu. <laughs> so she made us read a whole bunch of French poetry. We started, you know, we, we read a bunch of um, uh, Victor Hugo poetry. Yeah. And um, and then she kept saying things like for that, that she wouldn't say for all you gay boys out there. But she would say, for some of you interested, he is also the one who wrote Les Miserables turned into a musical Broadway hit. Anyway, <laughs> let's keep going. But literally, I knew she would like wink at me and like the other gay kid in the room. <laughs> and because uh, she knew, you know, a woman like that who's traveled, the, like she had lived in uh, parts of Africa. I think she, I, I, I could be wrong. I think she was originally from Haiti, uh, was a newscaster uh, for a while for Channel 2. Super admired this woman. Uh, and then she just saw me. Like, you know, when you walk into a classroom as a queer person and you know those teachers that are educated and learned enough that they know how to see a homo in the room <laughs> before anyone else does. You know, I didn't realize I was the homo in the room until after college. Which Interesting. Is, it's uh, I squandered so many opportunities. Bro. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I like how it came out and stuff and got no action at all. <laughs> I helped start the Gay Street Alliance, doing whatever I could to get a boyfriend and nothing. <laughs> so, uh, so then, you know, she sees me, knows I'm g- gay, and right away says, like, you should read up on Paul Verlaine and Arthur Rimbaud. And I was like, uh, why? And she was like, trust me. And then I read up on them and just fell in love. Because first of all, I was like, wait a minute, these homos were gay? <laughs> yes! So what's really funny is that, so like, before our car ride, like, I knew that Paul Verlaine was gay, mm-hmm. and I knew that he had a lover. But mm-hmm. like, you, I feel like you just know so much more about yeah. this other poet. Well, this is also in the '90s, and it was before the internet, so I had to go to the library and just read the read up on all these uh, on these on these two men. Also, thankfully, she was making us read their poems and memorize them. And I love that she was just throwing shade left and right. She was like, mm, "We're only going to memorize one Arthur Rimbaud poem because." Everyone said he was a prodigy, but I just think he was a difficult child. Um, uh, what did she say? Enfant, ma- what it? Enfant malade? Uh, enfant malade. Oh, oh. What enfant malade. Is that what it is? That's, that's like somebody who's just a rude kid. Yeah, yeah. That's what she would say. Yes. And then she's like, I think Paul Verlaine is a lot more uh, talented and uh, gave a lot more to poetry. So we, we memorized yeah. like five Paul Verlaine poems. Uh. And uh, loved to learn about it. But the more I read about them, the more I found out they were. And she sent me on this, like, Alice in Wonderland. Down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. And I was just trying to find as many books as I could about them. Uh, About them together or about them individually as poets and seeing kind of where they... Well, I was a closeted gay kid. I just was like, (laughs) tell me the dick story. How did their dicks touch? Who like? How did they put them together? Did they touch butts? I wanted all the dirty French gay details. Here's a fun fact: um, Malélevé uh, literally translates to poorly raised. Oh, but the the understanding is that the person's rude. That's okay, hilarious. So- <laughs> she called a bunch of us that once in a while when we would like. I don't think she, I ever saw her loser cool. Uh, and eventually she ended up my like uh, honors French teacher and or AP French. I forgot, but like I made it a, a senior year. I was and it was hard because I was so into this, but all my friends were straight and they were like, "Dude, we're gonna watch 
you know, they were like, we're going to watch, uh, what were they making me watch all the fucking time? Uh, Lethal uh, Weapon. Not Yeah, just these straight <laughs> movies. Uh, you know, and not, not just, but they're also nerds. So they were like, we're going to watch you know, Princess Bride one more time. And I was like, we've seen that fucking movie 10 times. And it was hard because I'd be like, guys, don't you want to learn about these French gay poets? And they would look at me like, no. <laughs> I had no one to talk to about how much I loved Paul Verlaine. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so you're you're are you at your school library, at the public library? You're 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 looking for the stories with their dicks. I went everywhere and eventually I went to the 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 most liberal one that had the most information was the Berkeley uh downtown Berkeley Everybody's very shocked. Yeah, and it was yeah, yeah, right? But uh, that's where I found the most info. And then I would just meet random older gay men who were probably trying to hit on me and I was just go over my head like one old gay dude saw me reading he's like you know they were lovers and I'm like yeah that's what I'm reading about <laughs> he's like you know one time Paul Verlaine shot Arthur Rimbaud through the hand and then he went boys will be boys and walked away <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> oh, so do you know that story yes okay, uh, I know us. several stories well uh, well, first of all uh, to your listeners these guys were alive a long time ago before Grindr uh, before <laughs> the gay rights movement uh, Mr. Verlaine was born in 1844 in Metz France wherever that is poor guy died in Paris and uh, met Arthur Rimbaud because the, the little guy uh, she was thirsty, and uh, she wanted like a. Th- I I call Arthur Rimbaud like the the original toxic twink, like all bitchy, awful, like horrible twinks. I believe either come from him or uh, Oscar Wilde's lover, uh, Al- Alfie. I think that was his name. Uh, like they got together in the cosmos and just like jizzed all over the world, and now we have to deal with these like. Horrible, but also sexy. Like you hate them, but you want to eat them like snacks. You know, <laughs> twinks. Just like ah, stupid twinks. I'll take three. Um, <laughs> she was thirsty. She was a writer, and she was a, a little brat, and wanted to get some dick and get some advancement in her poetry. And Paul Verlaine was already like a celebrated poet. Mm-hmm. Also, was a drunk. Right. Also, uh, was always on absinthe. Uh, was kind of, you know, beating his wife left and right. Uh, the more I learned about them, the more I was like, oh, I don't think these were good people. <laughs> um, but he wrote him letters and he's like, I want to meet you. And then uh, finally, he they did. They meet up and they start like fucking like bunnies, even though Paul had a wife. And even though at the time, little Arthur was 17 and Paul was like 26 or something. Oh, no. So, you know, but the whatever. Age French of consent man. in France, I think is still 16 or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, it was like not okay. But... Little Arthur Rimbaud was so crazy that he didn't care. He was like, let's make out in the pub. Let's make out in the streets. Fuck me right now against this window and I will pant to the entire, you know, ville. (laughs) (laughs) And Paul Verlaine was like, yeah, let's get more drunk and fuck some more. And it was like really passionate. They they travel a lot together. Like the guy literally, Paul left his wife and kid or two kids. I mean, one kid or two kids. And like to go fuck this twink all over the French countryside. They ended up in these squalor apartments where they would drink and write and have a lot of sex. But eventually, you know, just like gay men, we you can't put too many, you can't put us in the same room without fighting. Uh, they eventually started fighting. Yeah, and they're poets. Well, so they what probably, with all the squalor um, and feelings? Yeah, but also they're poets, so they probably annoyed the fuck out of each other. Because <laughs> poets can we can get really annoying. Uh, so they start hitting each other and like fighting, and then eventually like. Uh, they would stab each other. And I think Paul, I think, like, stabbed Rambaud. And Rambaud was like, I do not feel a thing. I am dead inside. And uh, 
And eventually, Paul like got scared of Rambo because Rambo Rambo really was like insane. He would um he was such a little fucking brat that he would leave pieces of his shit under his friends' pillows as what? uh as uh, pranks. He also wants like a put, frat dude. Uh, yeah, but gay. <laughs> like in, like a poet. Uh, like Lambda. Would, like, would, like if Lambda po- was, a, right. was on every French campus. <laughs> he also like would poison. I think he poisoned a friend once as a joke. And the poison, friend didn't like, die. Lactose intolerant poison. No, no, like, like I think put some acid or something or or mm-hmm. something, some kind of chemical in a drink. So it sounds like Lambo was actually more of a psychopath. He was a little psychopath. Yeah, I mean, and Paul Verlaine, Paul Verlaine was probably like already a shitty dude, and then falls in love with a psychopath. You know, a lot and of they're gay just, men like, are just enabling yeah, the shittiness exactly. out of each other, and a lot of us are just sad inside. And we think beautiful tiny men will help us through it, but it's not. It's just going to continue. So I think Paul finally got scared of Rambo and then decided to leave him and like ran away from him, kind of like he had to yeah. he had to bolt the fuck out of there because swings are fast. Um, <laughs> and so he contacted his wife and he was like, "I want to return to you. I'm sorry that I left you and our kid." Uh, and that I used to hit you and that I've been fucking the 17 because it was like notorious I think like like French society found out and they wouldn't let them into some restaurants and some pubs and a lot of hotels were like no you two are gay and fucking and I don't care how popular you are Paul Verlaine Um, (laughs) because he wasn't very popular while he was alive Uh, and eventually his wife was like okay you can come back but only if you like go to church with me and then go to like a special family event. It was some sort of like christening. I don't know if it was like, I used to know this by heart because I had all this info by heart, but it's been a couple of years since I was a depressed teenager. <laughs> okay. So, so he, he, she's like, you got to come to church with come me. Back and this and like, either there's one other sec, one of their sons was getting baptized or a nephew was getting baptized or she was like, we're going to redo our vows. Okay. It was so important. Like, there's it was a lot of Jesus happening. Important and heteronormative. And it was like her <laughs> test to get him back. So he's like, oh, all right, I'll come back. And so he comes back, he cleans himself up, and they're like at the church. They're like at the reception. And everyone's like, thank God you're back. And then guess who he sees? Oh, no. Across the courtyard, little toxic twink, Arthur Rimbaud. <laughs> And he's just like, no, what the fuck is he doing here? And he's like, look at my slim little body. Don't you miss this hot, tight derriere? Paul Verlaine, what, are you going to be a boring, heteronormative fool? Or are you going to get this derriere? How do you say ass in French? Cool. Cool? Cool. Cool. <laughs> and, at, and then his wife was like, yeah, that's not going to happen, right? You're not leaving me for that fucking kid. And Paul Verlaine leaves again. No! They run away together again. And his wife is there like with her hands up in the air going like, uh, what's good? What What? What the fuck? You're leaving no! me again in front of all our family and this church. And it was like super scandalous. And Paul Verlaine was like, sorry, boo, but I got to chase my heart and live my truth. Oh my and God. then they like went to some faraway land and fucked for a long time and then eventually ended up hating each other again. They both got cut off at certain points. Like their families both were like, this has got to stop. Like, yeah, no, you know, um, and they were like, no, more penis. Um, <laughs> and then eventually they both cut off and penniless and just spending all their money on booze and hallucinogenics. And oh, right, because they were big on absinthe. They were super big on absinthe. Like they were literally walking around as actual green real life fairies, like green fairies, <laughs> <laughs> two white, sad white boys trying to fuck the sad out of each other, kind of like the Castro, uh, <laughs> except without the poetic talent. Uh, so then eventually they started to hate each other again. 
to the point where and every day Paul was like, I am going to kill myself. And every day Ra- Arthur was like, not if I kill myself first. <laughs> like, like true poets. Like oh my just God. ridiculous fighting uh, and attempt. And then literally like uh, they were always like the little one was always like trying to kill, like trying to stab his wrist out. And Paul was always stopping him. And then finally they got into a huge fight where he actually he bought a gun. Or stole a gun. Which one bought a gun? Paul Verlaine. Okay. Got a gun somehow uh, to shoot himself in the head in front of Arthur Rimbaud, like you do. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? (laughs) What gay man hasn't had a boyfriend say that to him? (laughs) Jesus. Anyway, so he's like, uh, "I'm gonna kill myself with this gun," and then Arthur is like, "Do it, do it, you piece of shit!" (laughs) It's like you are not a man. You wouldn't dare. I mean, I don't know if that's actually what he said, but like literally, (laughs) he pissed. Paul Verlaine off so much that Paul Verlaine shot him oh my and God. Arthur it went through his uh, through his hand um, oh. and then that's when their friendship ended because then uh, I mean I they did def- that in front of everyone like everyone saw that everyone saw this like late 20s man shoot this like 18 year old <laughs> and uh, we're like you're going to jail so they went to yeah, he went well, to jail for two years apparently if they've been stabbing each other then yeah. the fact that it took a bullet to break them up is alarming but yeah even before that though there was a there's a uh, this actually happened they were at the pub at this pub when they had just met and were like starting to have you know that like first love sex you know it's like it's really good you know you're just you're staring deep into each other's eyes and like a true twink uh, Paul Verlaine's like, how much do you love me? And Arthur Rimbaud's like, let me show you how. Give me your hand. And he gives him his hand, and he opens his palm, and Paul Verlaine, he's like, do you trust me? And Paul's like, I trust you. And Arthur Rimbaud takes out a knife and stabs them in the middle of his fucking hand with his writing hand. And he goes, that's how much I love you. And Paul Verlaine's like, you fucking twink. But he was also like, that was really hot, and I hate you. And he didn't leave him. Like, that he stabbed nuts. him in the hand, in his writing hand, and they still stay together because I and I feel like that's so. I hate to say this, but like, you're gonna say <laughs> there's poetic. So many queer people that are like, yeah, that's hot. I'd stay with them because <laughs> we love, you know, abuse. I'm glad that the young baby queers are like, no, nothing will ever abuse me. And us older queers are like, nah, a little abuse is a little hot. Oh my <laughs> <You know>? god. <laughs> but anyway, the sad part is, you know, after that, Paul Verlaine just kind of down went downhill. I don't know if he ever got his wife back, but he did die like pretty, you know, he died in Paris penniless. And the only way he survived for a while was because his fans still loved his poetry and they would somehow gather funds, I guess, to. And this could like all a be. GoFundMe I could be completely right. Exactly. I could be wrong on all, everything I've just said. Uh, <laughs> this is just like memories I hold deep in my gay poetic heart. Uh, and little fucking Arthur Rimbaud, after publishing a, a bestseller at the time of his poetry collection was like, fuck poetry. I'm going to go into, I don't know, Africa and shoot animals and lead safaris. What? Yeah. He decided to become like a safari guy and like got married. Eventually they had to amputate one of his legs because he, he was like deep in Africa and his little white butt just couldn't take it. He got bitten. <laughs> he got bitten by something that like his leg got infected. Of course. And then also died kind of in poverty. Uh, very strange characters that became very, very popular in the poetry world, the very deep poetry world, not like, oh, I, you know, I like, you know, I like the red wheelbarrow. Like, no, like you can have to like, um, I never know, though. Like sometimes I meet poets that have no idea who I'm talking about. Okay. And sometimes I meet poets who go, oh, yeah, who doesn't know about those two? You know, <laughs> like that's very high school, you know, and I mean, I'm like, yeah, I also learned about them in high school, but I meet poets every day that first of all, I love that I meet POC poets that are like, 
No, I've never heard of them, and I don't really need to learn about old white men <laughs> writing poetry. <laughs> Fucking through the French countryside. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, of course, yeah, more power to you. That's really, really great. Um, but yeah, so that's... And I just used to be obsessed with these. And then they made a movie. Oh. There's a movie uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio playing, who is also a twink. <laughs> uh, if you want to know, one of the things that led to the twink movement is Leonardo DiCaprio in the original Romeo and Juliet. Not the original. That's the 1996, that was stupid. The 1986 one. Uh, but anyway, Leonardo DiCaprio played little Arturo Rimbaud and had se- uh, gay sex scenes with... I forgot who the older guy was. Um, <laughs> You're like, it doesn't Paul even Verlaine. matter. I don't know who played Paul Verlaine, but anyway. Well, I'll, I'll look it up afterwards. It's yeah. Fun. Wow. I just learned so much today. Yay. Well, because here's the thing. So um, I mentioned this to you earlier, but um, my elementary school was a French immersion elementary school, which meant that we did math, social studies, and then French language in French. Uh, and then there was a separate oh, one. That sounds awesome. There was, yeah. And then there was a separate one for like French history. Um, which when we could get into all the ways that was fun and problematic for Haitian kids. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Later. But one of the things was that we would have to memorize different poems um, each week. And then Paul, Paul Verlaine was like always my favorite um, to to kind of read. And the the one that I still remember is, do you remember Chanson d'Automne? Yeah. Yeah. All his, his poems were so sad. It's like even when he was happy, he was sad. Even when he was happy. I think people just didn't know what depression was back then, maybe. (laughs) And they were like, this is just life. Why do I feel this way? It's raining in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What were your favorite? Did you, okay. Did you like Arthur Hamble's poetry? To be really honest, for a while I feel like I said I would like it because I was in high school and I thought because I know about him I like him. Mm-hmm. I tried several times to read that fucking book. I forgot. <laughs> so you what were just like titled. not into it. It's either in the name is either Inferno or Hell. It's Dante, man. Uh, I know that's Dante, but uh, but little Arthur also wrote something. <laughs> I will. Um, I can look that we up. We can Google it to. later. Uh, uh, anyway, he wrote a book that was super popular, still popular. I sometimes, you know, when you meet like a, poet- a poetry snob, you know, uh, who's just like, um, yes, I've read that book. It's amazing. I love it. I'm like, do you? <laughs> do you really love it? Or are you just a fucking snob who says he loves that book because you think it'll make you sound really smart? I tried to read it several times in high school. I couldn't fucking get through it. So of the two, then you were definitely... Uh on the Paul Verlaine Yeah, of side. course. Yeah. What were I your just... favorite Paul Verlaine poems? Or one or two, or I don't know. Well, that one, the one that you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. I, used, I, would, I memorized that one by heart. I was still recited in like college when I was trying to, you know, get the D. But <laughs> impressing <laughs> Did some... it work? You know, honestly, it never worked. <laughs> <laughs> never worked. But I feel like for a while, it, it was more of a strange... You know, I don't know about here, but in Mexico, there's definitely a stereotype of friend, of Mexican people who are obsessed with, you know, that are fran- Francophiles or whatever. Oh, really? Even though, you know, the French, uh, we beat the French, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's the and whole executed, thing. And executed that one guy, um, you know, because fuck him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was just, I just really wanted to hang out in France. I, I studied French for six years. Um, I remember my, my straight friends, you know, we'll, we'll get brunch once a year from high school and they'll just say like some of the dumbest shit. They'll be like, yeah, remember when we'd have these sleepovers and we were like, all right, guys, Casey wants to watch this Bruce Lee movie and we're going to watch, you know, this action movie and this, uh, you know, Princess Bride and, uh, 
Brooke, we're not going to watch Menon de la Spring. And I was like, what about Jean de Florette? It's a really good movie, you guys. And they would just look at me like, why do you like French films? Because oh, they're French films, you guys. And I was like 15. And I was like, okay, what about this movie? It's my, it's called My Father's, My Mother's Castle. It's about, and they were like, no, no. I was like, au revoir les enfants. It's an incredible, beautiful movie about children living during World War II and a Jewish boy. And they were like, Get the fuck out. Either you're going to sit down and enjoy this uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme film or are going to fucking force you to sit through. Or you're like, I know, right? (laughs) But they were lovely. Like, I came out to them and they were very supportive. And they were like, okay, we know that you're gay. We love that you're gay, but we're not going to watch French films. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a a fun, uh, not really history fact for you. Uh, I was the vice president of my French club in high school. Aww. Well, they wanted to make me president, but I didn't want to do any of the work. But they were like, well, you're, the, <laughs> you're the only one here who speaks French. There's six of us. Uh, and I was like, fine, I'll do it. And my one, um, one of my classmates was like, I really think we should get this shirt made. And I was like, you know what? I totally have your back on it. And it got rejected by administration because we wanted a uh, shirt that said Paris likes my wee wee. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing shirt idea. I agree. That's amazing. Our friend Lucy came up with it, and I was like, this is fucking brilliant. It'd be criminal for this shirt to not exist in the world. How does that shirt not already exist? <laughs> also, real quick, uh, you, I don't know if you did this in your school, but in the Bay Area, if you took a language class, you took a different name. I don't know why. What oh, was yeah. your French name? I, I, my name's already French, so I kept my name. Oh, so you kept your name. But Mine. there were some classes. I think they used to do that for like... Um, French one and two. Yeah, but we were doing IB stuff, so we were right. like uh, quote unquote higher level French, and yeah, so we stuck with our names. I picked the gayest name. Was it ever. Francois? Uh, that not gayer. <laughs> no, what was it? Etienne. <laughs> that is gayer. Etienne. I remember they were like, "You gotta pick your French name, kids," because I started young. I started in like sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, so I took French from like sixth grade to twelfth grade. Nice. And I think you didn't even have to in sixth grade. No, you they did were, not. They, you did not. They was just like, your "What do you?" Just really do you it. Yeah. They're like, "Do you want to take handball for a period, or do you want to take <laughs> French?" And I was like, "I'll take French. I'm also a cocksucker, please, for one hundred. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I was Etienne for like fucking ever. And even the other kids would look at me like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so funny. One of my friends like at the last brunch thing was like, what I loved about you is that like you were a little closety, but when we would say like Baruch is Baruch is gay, isn't he? You would just look at us and be like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Before you actually came out. <laughs> First of all, thank you for being on and for coming out of the show. Thank you for having me. Um, where can people find you on Instagram and Twitter and the, the uh, socials? Please, please follow me on Instagram, not just because of my amazing pictures that I take, but if you're on Instagram, you get to hear about all the shows that I do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. My Instagram is basically just my name, Baruch Porras Hernandez, uh, at, you know, Baruch Porras Hernandez. And I draw all sorts of stuff, but uh, I... I feel like and you're you're so talented. Thank uh, you. As a drawer, artist, thank uh, you. Poet, comedian, playwright. Yeah. Just I like I have two small collections of poetry coming out. I don't know if it's 100 percent official yet, so I can't say with who. But they're, hopefully that's coming out. And uh, I'm working on a superhero project with Makla, 
we're creating new queer Latino superheroes, and I'm also gonna do that Berkeley rap thing. Hell yeah! Yeah. Oh, and if you live in San Francisco, please come see me as the voice of Shipwreck, the erotic fan fiction competition at the Booksmith Bookstore every first Thursday of the month. Woo! Yay! Thank you. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed all the fun facts about Paul Verlin and uh, Arthur Rambo today. Um, some things that I did want to f- circle back with. Rambo's book that Baruch talked about is called A Season in Hell, or in French, Une Saison en Enfer. Uh, It was published in 1873, and it really was the only work that he published himself. There were a couple of poems here and there that got out, but he didn't really, that was his only work. So look into that if you'd like. Um, Baruch and I also referred to the same poem called Chanson d'Automne by Paul Verlaine. And that one is, it it translates to Autumn's song. Again, just really lovely, really sad, um, but, you know, worth worth taking a look at. we also alluded to a film starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Arthur Rambo, and the person who played Paul Verlaine in that movie was David Thewlis, and the name of the film is Total Eclipse, and it was released in 1995. So if you want to see a uh, young Leo DiCaprio, there you go. One more film to add to your list. And uh, for anybody who's uh, looking to incorporate some French in their uh, vernacular at all, just want to clarify that cul, which was a word that we used earlier, is more like ass. Uh, cul is more like ass. It's informal. It's like a little bit more vulgar. Derriere is the word that you're looking for, you guys. If you want to formally refer to people's posteriors, derriere is the one. Um, the only fact that I am not able to confirm for you uh, is uh, some of Rambo's antics that Baruch alluded to. So I think uh, that'll fall in the category of lore. Um, and the ones I'm referring to are about like, you know, him poisoning his friends or leaving pieces of shit under pillows and, or the stabbing story. I mean, a part of me hopes that they're true. Cause that's crazy, right? Like that, but, uh, uh, another part of me hopes that you wouldn't, you know, that his friends wouldn't have to worry about whether or not he pooped under their pillow. Uh, but if they did, I'm just going to chalk that up to like one more reason Europe was plagued with really gross diseases for a really long time. People are just gross there. They have bad habits. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Have a good one. <laughs>